Hello and welcome back to Mission 2819, a podcast on discipleship. I'm your host, Greg Vanetta, and I thank you all for coming back and listening again on this next episode of Mission 2819. Today we're going to be talking on this episode a little bit about a follow-up ministry for when uh, maybe we just got done with a ministry conference or there's a specific Bible study that we just got done doing with a group of people and we want to have some follow-up and see what happens after either a Bible study or a, a conference. So I thank you again for joining me and listening in on Mission 2819. Well, thank you for coming back and listening to Mission 2819. I want to welcome you back, uh, everybody listening and all the new listeners. I appreciate you and am grateful and thankful for you listening with us on Mission 2819, learning a little bit more about discipleship and what it is to go out and make disciples of all nations. So one of the questions uh, I was just recently asked about the discipleship process is how do we follow up uh, after a ministry event? So whether it's a conference or a Bible study, um, it it could be anything um, within those lines, right? Maybe it's just a one-on-one with somebody counseling or whatever it may be. What, uh, how do we effectively follow up with somebody after that or a group of people to continue building the church. And I thought this was a great, great question to ask. And it, it deserves some attention. It really does. Uh, one of the areas I've noticed up in our demographic where a weakness of the church itself, and it doesn't matter what church it is, but I'm talking to church, the church as a whole, but one of the major weaknesses is in the follow-up strategy and reaching back out to people that either were in a specific Bible study or a small group, a community group. Uh, Maybe they attended a Christian-type conference um, for the first time, or maybe this is multiple times. But how are we following up and continuing to get them to come back and be involved in the church and continue to go out and make disciples so knowing that this is a weakness, uh, I thought it, I thought it deserved enough attention to um, to talk through and just give you know a couple pointers or uh, just spark up some ideas that you all can run with and talk to your pastors about or ministry leaders and start coming up with a follow up ministry to reach back out to these individuals and get them plugged in with with the church because. Maybe they do want to volunteer at the church. There's a ministry that their heart feels called to. And maybe because of a follow-up or not being reached out to with a follow-up, they don't know how to get involved. So this is really important for uh, future church expansion and, and future church growth, attendance, and reaching the last soul with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
So one of the things in a follow-up ministry that we need to really look at is, is a follow-up going to happen by a phone call, by a personal visit, an email? There's so many different ways to follow up and we have so many tools available to us today that we can use to follow up. And from my background in sales, I, if I'm going to follow up with somebody, I usually do an in-person visit, a phone call, an email, and a text message. That way there's four points of communication with the individual I'm trying to follow up with. And I think that that's relevant to, um, to the church as well. And we should be practicing that because then we know that we're effectively trying to follow up with the individual we're trying to reach, right? And then we have all their contact information. We have details of what we need to follow up with with them. So having a strategic plan of what resources am I going to use to reach out and follow up with, with an individual is very, very important. But nothing trumps the in-person visit because what happens with an in-person visit, rapport is built and a personal relationship is deepened when it is a personal visit an in, in person face to face visit, be over a cup of coffee, be going over to the individual's house or them coming over to your house, uh, meeting at the church, maybe for lunch, whatever it may be, but nothing will ever come over the in-person face-to-face visit. That is the most valuable way to follow up. But we know with uh, life being busy and people's schedules not always lining up, we have to have other routes to follow up with somebody. Phone calls, emails, text messages, uh, messages on social media, whatever it is. Uh, We have to have alternate ways to communicate with somebody. But most importantly, we need to have a strategic plan and a clear objective for each time we try to communicate with somebody. So what do we do first? We need to be praying uh, and asking the Holy Spirit for guidance, direction, and wisdom of what what do I need to follow up with this individual on? Uh, if it was a Bible study, it could be something as simple as, what did the Holy Spirit speak to you through this entire study? Was there something that stood out? Can we talk about it? Was there any questions that came up? Was there any concerns that um, maybe came up through this study? <clears throat> if it was a conference, um, we could lean it towards what were your thoughts on what the keynote speaker was presenting, uh, whether it's a testimony, a personal testimony, or if it's a topical subject with scripture or an archeological discovery, whatever it may be. But, uh, we got to figure out what it is that we're going to be addressing when we follow up with somebody. Otherwise, if we just call somebody out of the blue and and don't have a strategic or an objective plan on what we're going to reach out to the individual about, the phone call or in-person visit or text message or email, they can become pretty awkward really quickly. And I ran into that uh, early on in my sales career that um, I learned that you need to have a strategic plan and for sure, a clear 
objective of why you're reaching out to somebody. The other thing is when we follow up with somebody, we have to be passionate about it and we have to be passionate about it bearing fruit. Um, And that's why we have to have an objective plan and a strategic plan because that gives us passion for the fruit that this follow-up is going to bear between both individuals. If we don't have passion, it's going to be pretty hard to see how the follow-up conversation does bear fruit. It may, the conversation may go completely offline or off grid and, you know, uh, down the third baseline. And now we're talking about, uh, fishing or hunting or movies or whatever it may be. And we're not focused on what was the transformation that you just witnessed and experienced because that's what we want to follow up on. So have passion that the conversation is going to bear fruit, be objective with what you're going to follow up with, with the individual you're trying to reach and be strategic about it. What am I going to use for follow-up communication? Email, phone call, text message, in person. So just continue to think about that as you get ready to follow up with someone that um, needs to be followed up with. And what this does, <clears throat> when we when we put those three elements into practice and we apply them, what it does is it creates a culture and community of connection. And that's what a lot of people want. Uh, They want to be part of a culture. They want to be part of a community. And that's really what God's kingdom is here and now. That's how we live in God's kingdom here and now. It's a culture. It's a community of believers that are worshiping the Lord, our Lord, our King. And we have to have that culture of connection, that community of connection when we follow up. It makes it personal. It builds relationships. God's kingdom is all about relationships. And that's what we need to be focused on that. And, you know, I know I've been pretty heavy on a discipleship pastor for churches. And this this is why. So there's a couple episodes uh that I really hit heavy on a discipleship pastor. Um, this is really going to support that position for a church because this is a full-time job to be, this is, this is discipleship uh, doing a follow-up. Um, and this is full-time a volunteer. It's hard for a volunteer to do this every single day because it can take you eight to 10 hours a day to meet with four to five people And depending on the size of your church, uh, you may be a church of 12 people, or you may be a church of 1500. And depending on the size, that takes a lot of time, allocated time to following up, building those relationships, and then getting everyone involved in the church to go out and make disciples of all nations, to serve the church with all their heart and be passionate about it. Um, but with this culture and community of connection, uh, we do need to be careful in how we're selecting our team uh, to do the follow-up because not everybody 
is passionate about making a phone call or going out and visiting somebody uh, face to face. And that's understandable. And we just have to respect that. Um, it does take a unique personality to do this. And if you have somebody in your congregation that uh, has been in sales or is currently in a sales career, they're probably going to be somebody that you really want to talk to because this is going to be second nature to them. It's going to be natural to them because this same follow-up process is the same in sales. And we're just using different definition and terminology, but the language is the same and it replicates one another. But one is secular based and one's Christian based. So we got to be careful and watch that. So that we got really got to discern who we're going to have uh, on our follow-up teams and that we are following up with people to glorify the Lord, right? So through that, then we end up managing our expectations of ourselves, and we can set expectations for the other individual if we're going to meet them, and they can set expectations for us. And through that, we have accountability of one another, and that is a gift in itself to be able to be held accountable that I would follow up with you. So this is a really, really good thing for a church to do. And I think a lot of a lot of churches right now, if you really look, because of the weakness of not having a follow-up team, um, they're starting to fall behind on giving. Uh, people are leaving congregations. They're looking for other churches. They're uh, maybe even not going to church and just trying to watch online and not being involved in that culture and community of God's kingdom. And that's, that's a scary place to be. That's way too risky. So we, we have to get people back in the church, serving, loving on people, praying and doing the Lord's work. And this is a great way. This is a great tool, great ministry to get that up and going. Now, if we're going to follow up with somebody and so with all these elements of follow-up, if we're going to do this in a respectful way, especially with a phone call, and this is where people, people abuse phone calls <laughs> far too often, and we don't want to be rude when we're following up with phone calls. Sometimes I've had this happen to me before. Uh, there was a week that I was sick and wasn't at church, and um, I had another brother. He called me probably five times a day, but I was still sick, so I wasn't answering my phone. I didn't want him, you know, he couldn't have understood me any, anyway. And uh, so I, I just sent him a text, hey, I'll call you when I start feeling better, and, and we'll talk about this. Uh, I'm just sick. I'm not going anywhere. I'm just sick. That's it. It's okay. You know, relax. But, uh, so I've had this and then early in my sales career, I've, I've made this mistake as well of calling people far too often, um, where I've called the same individual three, four, five, six, seven times in a single day to try and, um, move a product to them. Well, that's actually wrong. We should not be doing that. And, um, you know, the, uh, I would say an effective way if we're going to use phone calls as a follow-up to be checking on our brothers, um, we need to, we need to set a time limit 
of how, how long is this phone call going to take? Uh, is it going to be three minutes? Is it going to be five minutes? Is it going to be 10, 30, an hour? What is the time frame? And then how many times am I going to call them? Is it going to be once a day? Is it going to be once every two weeks, once every month, once every quarter? Or is it going to be, you know, two to four times within the first 12 weeks? Uh, what is it? So we, we need to set those boundaries and those guidelines so that the phone calls remain respectful through the follow-up process. And what this does is it shows grace. It shows kindness and gentleness and mercy and humility uh, to the individual that we're trying to follow up with because we're respecting their time as well. And we have to be observant of that. Otherwise, if we don't respect their time, um, they're not going to give us the time of day to follow up. And, and that does the church no good, right? So we got to be respectful of that. And what I found to be the most effective uh, with phone call follow-ups is to uh, schedule out a date and make a phone call once every other week. Try to schedule an in-person visit um, in the, within the first six months, once a month. After the six months, then we can start getting into once every other month, unless unless they need to and, and it's uh, pre-planned and you're, you've been talking and rapport and a relationship is, has been built and, um, and they need it. So play that one by ear, but um, be strategic in, in your timelines and your timeframes for um, in-person visits and phone calls and just be respectful of time. So what does all this do, all this follow-up? What, what does it do? What happens? What are the results of a follow-up ministry like this, utilizing and applying these elements? It all comes down to building relationships, deep personal relationships that make brothers and sisters of the kingdom a lot of people get nervous over this um, with relationship building because there's been a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of hardship, and we can even go deeper. There's been a lot of manipulation and delusion in the church in our modern times, and that really hurts people, and it takes time for the heart to heal, and uh, we just got to be praying for people that have been hurt in the church, and... Um, see how we can help them and how we can mourn with them and how we can rejoice with them and how we can support them. Uh, we, we can't heal the heart ourselves. That's Jesus' job, right? So we just got to be in constant prayer and continue praying for people that have been hurt in the church. But I'm afraid that this is happening far too often and at times... Um, it's pretty easy for the human heart's agenda to take over and not allow the Holy Spirit's agenda to take place. Well, then now we have the quenching of the Holy Spirit. And a church that does that is going to feel pretty heavy when you go there. And um, it's not going to be joyful like it should the church should be joyful. It should be rejoicing. It should be celebrating our risen King and our culture and community in the kingdom of God here and now. 
as we work for the Lord and, and wait for his return. So take that into consideration too, because follow-up is just not for somebody that you were in a Bible study with or attended a conference with. Follow-up can even happen with your deacons, with your elders, with your pastors, uh, whoever it may be. Uh, just be cautious because some of the questions that you may ask or that the other individual may ask you can become very deep and personal. So don't, don't get bent out of shape. Um, don't take offense to questions because good questions that challenge the heart lead to not only conviction, but transformation. So that is a gift. And we can rejoice in that. Absolutely we can. And it leads us closer to Jesus. So don't be afraid of the really deep convicting and transforming questions. It's not that we're trying to point a finger at anybody or them at us, but we're trying to help the heart transform and allow the Holy Spirit to go in there and break down that stone wall that the heart may be flesh and transformed that it can always serve Jesus for the remainder of its days on earth until Jesus returns again. So I hope you see how important um, a follow-up ministry is. These can be hard to put together, but they're so necessary and so important. Um, one of the other things I just want to mention too that I've, I've noticed um, by not having follow-ups is... Um, or a follow-up ministry within the church is I, I actually know a few individuals where they were going to a church and they gave their life to the Lord. They're serving him to this day faithfully, but they were waiting for somebody to follow up with them. And they even tried reaching out to people, to leadership at the church, but they were waiting for somebody to uh, get back in touch with them just to follow up because they wanted to get baptized. And, um, and then get plugged into the church and start serving because they felt led and called to a specific ministry. Well, this never happened. The follow-up never happened. Well, then the individuals ended up leaving that church and going elsewhere. And it left them heartbroken and feeling like there was no sense of community or culture within that church. So we, we really got to watch um, when we say we're going to follow up. We need to do that. It's so important. And uh, because it can really affect lives in either a positive or a negative way. So if you're going to follow up with somebody, if you tell them that you're going to follow up, please, please follow up with them. Whether it's in person, uh, for coffee, for lunch, email, text message, phone call. Uh, if you say you're going to follow up some with somebody, please Follow up with them and um, stick to your word because that that's a display and demonstration of your integrity and of my integrity. You know, I've been guilty of this and I confess that, you know, there's been times in my life where I've told somebody I'm going to follow up and I haven't and I've had to repent and I've had to go ask for forgiveness because of that. Um, if we're going to love one another as ourselves, and really love God through that. So the first two great commandments, right, in the New Testament, we have to display our integrity and we have to stay to our word. Otherwise, we speak falsely. And 
it's really hard to show another individual that light is in us when we, when we don't hold true to our integrity in serving Jesus. So another side of the follow-up ministry is not just follow-up, but it's also can be connected with, um, if you have ushers at the church or a connections team, um, a connections coordinator, director, uh, communications coordinators and directors, uh, follow-up ministry is perfect for them. And, um, to get to know other volunteers and new people coming in and visiting the church. So a follow-up ministry is super important. It has so many different elements that it's, it's hard to cover it all right now. So I'm just giving you a surface level, um, view of, of what a follow-up ministry is and just kind of getting, getting your brain going so you can, uh, talk to your deacons and elders and, and pastors about what would a follow-up ministry look like at our church and, and how do we start developing one and how do we implement it and what is this going to look like? Will our church grow? And if you ask that question, have faith because it will grow. Don't have doubt. As soon as doubt creeps in, um, you're going to be left in a sad position because you're not going to do the follow-up process correctly and it, it could end up pushing some people away. So just be cautious and be careful and know that follow-up is a gift to us and that we have to treat it with respect. But of all things, the follow-up ministry is a perfect time to disciple one another and it really allows us to connect with other individuals and talk about Jesus and why we're doing this so that we can go out into all the world and make disciples of all nations and that we can love on one another, that we can effectively work in the Great Commission and that we can display the character, virtue, and reputation of Jesus Christ in a true way that would honor and glorify him. So I encourage you, talk, talk to your deacons, talk to your elders, talk to your pastors, talk to other volunteers about getting a follow-up ministry working and um, up and running at your church and see what that would look like. Do some brainstorming and uh, throw some ideas around. And I hope that these ideas uh, help you out as you're talking about a follow-up ministry and starting to get one up and going and that this becomes a very fruitful ministry for you. And with enough work and the most important, praying and seeking guidance, wisdom, direction from the Holy Spirit, this will be an effective ministry and it will bring people into the church and it will make disciples. So I challenge you in this today to uh, figure out a way how to get a follow-up ministry Um working in your church today. I thank you again for listening on Mission 2819. It is such a, a gift to have everybody listening in on this podcast and just being engaged and involved and praying for it. Uh, I never thought I, that the Lord would ever use a podcast as a way to help teach people and um especially in my life. And uh, this is something new and unique that he's been doing in my life. And 
praise be to him. All glory goes to him for this. And uh, I hope through each episode that you're led to look at Jesus Christ as the risen and living Son of God. My hope and my prayer is that this will inspire you and encourage you to go out and reach somebody else for Jesus. So I thank you again for listening on Mission 2819. Be blessed. You all are unconditionally loved.